thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Listen, Ephesians begins by lifting us up to the heavenlies, which we just talked about, and ends by pulling us down on our knees. Don't think, Paul concludes, that because you have all these blessings and resources that you can live the Christian life without further help from God. God's armor is neither mechanical nor is it magical. We cannot simply take hold of it on our own or expect it to automatically to produce supernatural feats. Prayer is what empowers the armor and its weapons. Prayer is what empowers. So we've been given the power of God. We've been given the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And it is through knowledge that we understand how it all works and what it all is. And we grow in our understanding of each one of those pieces of what righteousness is, what the truth of the word of God is. We understand intellectually and we understand even with an emotional passion what that is. And it is through this intense relationship, this intimate relationship of prayer that that spark is driven. And we absolutely walk in the protection and faithfulness of God. We walk in it. It's available for us, but it's prayer that connects us to it. Prayer is the crescendo, if you will, at the end of Paul's anthem of Ephesians. Prayer is not merely another godly weapon for the fighting family member as important as these weapons are. Prayer should be seen as the spiritual air that a Christian soldier breathes. Prayer should be considered as the spiritual air that a Christian soldier breathes. So let's look, let's break down this passage quickly. First one, we're going to work our way back from verse 18. We're going to look at verse 18, the last part of it first. With all kinds of prayers and requests. Prayer refers to general request, and petitions, or that word request that the NIV translates, refers to very specific petitions. So in other words, it refers to every general interaction and discussion and request of God. And then it refers also to the very specific, detailed request of God. We are supposed to pray with all types of prayers and all types of uh, focuses, We are supposed to have prayers of praise and of thanksgiving and of adoration. Those prayers change our heart when we are reminded about the power of God in our own lives. When we live thankful for all circumstances in our lives. When we live adoring God. Have you ever taken time to just adore God in the course of a day? Just remembering his holiness and his righteousness, remembering his his majesty, remembering that he is in control of all things. He is the sovereign God. Taking that time throughout a day and adoring his majesty makes our heart different. It protects us in a very different way. It reminds us of his sovereign power in our lives and that he is in control of all things. The prayer of praise Do we praise our Lord throughout the day? Do we praise him that we breathe? Do we praise him for our family? Do we praise him for the difficulties for it draws us closer? Do we praise him for his power? Do we praise him for his might? Do we praise him for his salvation? Do we praise him throughout the course of a day? Would it not change our hearts and our disposition towards others? Would it not cause us to depend more on his power as we're reminded and praising who he is? Confession. 
It allows our heart to be cleansed and our feet, thoughts, and desires be put back on the right track. Right as we're adoring and praising and, 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 uh, and, and thank, having thanksgiving to God, we realize that he is God and we are not. And we are suddenly, our lives, our thoughts, our, do, our deeds, our actions are exposed right before our eyes. And we confess those and it brings us back to the right path and the right track. Could there be a greater weapon in our arsenal than the prayer of confession to lead us back onto the path of righteousness and holiness? Could there be a better way to engage and the breastplate of righteousness. Could there be a better way to engage in the truth of the scripture than to bring ourselves to a place of confession, allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us and saying, Lord, not my way, but your way. Lord, I turn in repentance from walking this way, and now I walk with you. And confession brings us to that place. Request. It is okay to request. Lord, I need. Lord, I want. Lord, direct. Lord, guide. Lord, bless. That is okay to do. That is welcomed by the good Father who says, tell me what you need. That is so welcomed. Do that. But may we pray all types of prayers and requests and petitions, not just the request for ourselves. May we be an intercessory people a people of intercession where we go on behalf of others. We go on behalf of others and we pray for their weaknesses. We pray for their hurts. We pray for their pains. We pray for their walks with the Savior. We pray for the difficulties. We have spent the last two or three months praying for marriages of our church. The marriages of our church have been under attack and we've been faithful to pray for them. Interceding on behalf on our Wednesday prayer times and our, our staff prayer times and our prayer circles and our life groups and here in church, we've been praying for our marriages. We're going to intercede for people in their battle and their fight. We've interceded for people in health. And Jeff, it is so good to see you here, my friend. It is so good to see you here. Many types of prayers with many kinds of prayers and requests. That's how we are to pray. But it's even more than just that. It's even more than just the type of prayers. It's also our posture of praying. We can pray publicly or privately. We can pray with loud cries or soft whispers. We can pray silently, deliberately, planned or spontaneous. We can pray while sitting, standing, kneeling. We can pray while laying down at home or at church, while, while working, while traveling, with hands folded or hands raised, with eyes open or eyes closed, with head lowered or fully erect. We can pray many types of prayers and in many ways. It's the call of Scripture. We are to be consumed and praying all types of prayers. The frequency of our prayer, it's to be on all occasions. The frequency of our prayer is to be on all occasion. Jesus urged his disciples to pray always and not to lose heart. He knows that when the battle gets hard, soldiers can easily become tired and weak and discouraged. In our struggle against Satan, it is either that we will pray or we will become faint. We'll either pray or we will become faint. Paul's closing words for believers are pray at all times. And it's not accidental that he said this. It's not accidental that those were his final instructions. We are to pray at all times without ceasing. Prayer is the intimacy that we need to have with our great God. And it should be talking and listening to him all the time. I remember when my boys were younger, it was one of the greatest treats of being a father. And I used to pick them up from school often and walk them home. Or I was able to drive them home depending on the time of life or where we lived. 
And I, I distinctly remember in one of the locations we lived, we got to walk through this big park and to come home. And they talked and they talked and they shared their day and we'd be holding hands and walking through this park and they could not close their mouths. They were telling me everything there was to tell me from the type of pencil they used to, to this or that or what they ate for lunch, the conversation they had, what so-and-so did and what so-and-so did. And they just had story after story after story. And I'm like, do you ever stop? And they just had one story after story. It was such a blessing to hear all their stories. And we would, I would listen, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life as a father. It is probably one of the greatest things I miss now that my sons are older is them telling me of their day, telling me of their interactions, telling me of the battles that they fought, telling me of the, the, where their hearts were hurt, where they were sad, where somebody hurt their feelings, where they were able to help somebody else. It was, it was such amazing moments. That's one of the things that I probably miss most. How much more with our Father does He want to hear about the course of our day, our likes, our dislikes, our, our challenges, our heartache, how much more does our Father in heaven want to hear us talk to him and contemplate life with him and share with him? I remember this one day in particular we were walking and they told me of a young boy in their class who had been picked on. And my son said, Dad, I think there's something wrong with him. I said, what do you mean, son? Well, he doesn't quite talk as fast as the rest of us. And he doesn't, he doesn't quite pick up on things like the rest of us do. I think maybe there's, I don't know, Dad. He just seems a little different than maybe the rest of us. And I said, yeah, well, what was going on with this young man? Well, all the other kids were just making fun of him and, and picking on him and saying really mean things to him. And I said, how'd that make you feel? And with tears in his eyes, he said, Dad, I didn't like it. I didn't want it to happen. And I said, oh, yeah, me either, son. I said, so what'd you do? And he said, nothing. And guess what? The conversation changed quickly. It was no longer time for me to listen. It was now time for me to instruct my son. It was now time for me to teach my son. It was now time for me to pour wisdom into his life. You see, that's our intimacy with prayer. It goes from us telling and telling and asking and hey, what about and how come to suddenly there's these moments where the Spirit says, now it's time to listen. Sit still, my son or daughter, because I'm going to speak to your heart. I'm going to give you the wisdom of the ages. I'm going to give you the truth of what you need to know. I'm going to tell you how to love somebody else and I'm going to tell you how to care for somebody else. And so in those moments in that walk, we began to describe to our son how it is that he could take care of this young man how it is he could protect this young man. And we even went as far as to tell him what a battle might look like and if that battle should ever turn to a physical battle, how he should handle himself and then what it should be like because that particular day, this little boy got thrown down. And we told him how he should step in and protect the little boy that was thrown down. He said, Dad, what if we get into a fight? I go, you only use enough force to get that young boy and yourself out of the situation. He said, Dad, what if they hurt me? I go, you will heal. You will heal. You take what the Lord has given you and you use it. It was time to teach. How much more does our Father want to do with us if we, as sinful parents, can come up with those moments? I wonder what the intimacy is supposed to be like when Paul calls us to pray, to pray. The battle is strong. 
The power of prayer. The power of prayer. So we have many types of prayer, all kinds of prayers and requests. We have the frequency with prayers, which is on all occasions. We never stop praying. We talk all the time to them when we listen. We definitely take time out and we go pray throughout our day as well. But then it's the power of prayer. Where does the power come from? It's more than just our words. The power comes from the unity of the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the submission of the Spirit. It says pray in the Spirit. John MacArthur said this, When programs, methods, money produce such obvious and impressive results, there is a proneness to confess human success with divine blessing. A happy marriage where children are well-behaved and all are enjoying a church that is growing tends to make people smug and self-satisfied. Right? Because so much that we can handle in our own life, so much we can take care of, so much we can do, we're, we're an educated population, we're, we have resources, we have ways of doing things, and we seem to have uh, uh, quite a bit of success. And it's easy for us just to say, look at me, I'm doing it. And by the way, Lord, bless this. That's my time of prayer. Continue to bless this. Lord, uh, make sure I continue to have great success. Lord, make sure, because and, and, I'm doing a really good job here. Yeah. He goes on to say, We can even become practical humanists, living as if God were not necessary. When that happens, passionate longing for God and yearning for his help will be missing, along with God's empowerment. It is because of this great and common danger that Paul closes his epistle with an urgent call to prayer and to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit is the part of the Trinity that brings our prayers alive. The Spirit is the empowerment of our prayers. You see, He gives them life. He directs them. He empowers them. And He causes us to hear the voice of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that dwells within us, that Jesus called our counselor and our intercessor. And the one that would cause us to have our prayers granted before the Lord. What is it that the Spirit does to pray in the power of the Spirit? It's that we submit our will to the Spirit, and the Spirit directs our prayers so that we're praying by the will of God. So many times we find our prayers and we say, it seems like they're ineffective. It seems like I can't hear. It seems like God doesn't answer my prayers. And what this call is to is to pray in the Spirit, pray according to God's will. Pray according to the Spirit's cry and His moaning on our behalf. Pray according to his desire, and let the Spirit guide our words and guide our hearts that we would pray his way. And sometimes, my friends, sometimes, beloved, we don't enjoy the way the Spirit may lead us to pray. Sometimes we're going to pray disappointment in people's lives. Why would I pray that? That they would walk closer to God. We're going to pray that idols be stripped away from people's lives. Why? So they would serve the one true God. We're going to pray that our friends and our family are brought to their knees so that they would submit their lives to Christ, that their marriages might actually be built up. When we submit to the power of the Spirit, the Spirit leads and guides our prayers, and our prayers will be answered accordingly to the will of God. There's power in our prayers to change the world, to move mountains, but it must be according to the will of God. It must be in the power of the Spirit, not simply by our own desires. The power of prayer. We must pray in the Spirit with all types of prayers without ceasing. 
That is the power of prayer. Paul goes on to continue and he says, there's to be objects of our prayer. So we know that we're supposed to pray with great power and without ceasing and, and many types of prayers, but then there's going to be a great focus. And the first focus is this. It's found in the second part or the last part of verse 18, which is pray with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The very first people we're supposed to pray for are those in the family. We're supposed to pray for those in the midst of the battle. We're supposed to pray for marriages and we're supposed to intercede, like I just said a minute ago, for those in the family. We're supposed to fight on their behalf. We're supposed to uphold them and lift them up. Do we spend our time in the course of a day upholding and lifting up our brothers and sisters? Because we are family and our family must lock arms and our family must fight for one another and our family must be courageous for one another and our family must support one another. And the very first way we do that is to pray for one another. Pray for one another's walk with Christ. When you see the, the prayers of Paul, and I would challenge you to go through and read the prayers of Paul, they do not pray for, uh, eh, they don't pray for the hangnails and the toenails and the, those are all fine things to pray for. What is the primary thing that Paul's prayers pray for? They pray for their walk with Christ, their intimacy, their knowledge of Christ, their commitment to Christ, their salvation. They pray that they would make, that their salvation would be known in fullness. They pray for their boldness. In Christ, they pray for their families. They pray that they would walk as faithful people. We need to fight for one another and pray for one another. And we must do it without ceasing with all types of prayers. And we must be relentless in praying for one another. It must be. It must be. And then finally, he said, we pray for the lost and boldness to declare the gospel. In Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, it says this, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I know that you pray often for yourself. Lord, give me the words to say to this person. Lord, help me to tell them about Christ because I'm really nervous right now. Lord, is this the window? Is this the door? Because I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk right now. Lord, what if they ask me a question? Help me answer it well. I know we pray those prayers. I do. But when was the last time you prayed for your brother or sister for great boldness? When was the last time you prayed for your brother or sister? They would speak boldly the word of Christ. That they would love the people around them with such an intense love that the word of God must be spoken and told because the person will ask, why do you love me in such a way? You pray that they would walk fearlessly and they would declare the truth of who God is and what he's done fearlessly. Do you pray for your brother or sister in that manner? We are to pray in that manner. But we're also to pray for those who don't know Christ yet. We're supposed to pray for the relationships and the influence of those that don't know Christ yet. Inside your bulletins, there's a little card. Would you pull that out? There's a little card. Would you just pull that out for me? That card, it said, it says rise on it, right? It says prayer, and then underneath it, it says because who are we praying that they will rise to new life in Christ? We have a prayer wall that sits in our hallway, and that gets prayed for throughout the week. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Who, this season, when we proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who in your life needs new life? And you don't have to write down their last name. You can just write down their first name. The Lord knows exactly who they are. Who are you praying because they do not know Christ? 
Who are you lifting up because they do not know Christ? Who will you be inviting to hear the message of the resurrected Savior? Who will you be inviting to hear the message that once we were dead and now we are alive? Who will you be inviting that Christ beat death and he rose that we all might rise? Who are you praying for? Who has the Lord given you influence over? Who has he put in your path that you will relentlessly pray for? Who have you been praying for for the weeks, the decades that have already passed that they would know Christ? Put that name on there. I have the incredible blessing of having one of our more senior saints pray in our prayer gathering this last Wednesday, and I got to sit next to her and listen to her pray as she prayed for somebody that I would imagine she's been praying for quite some time. As she prayed for them to know Christ, that their life would be changed and transformed, that they'd be brought from the dead to life, that they would know the truth of who Christ is. And she prayed with such passion, and she prayed with such love, and she prayed with such intensity that it literally brought tears to my eyes as I said, that's the way I need to pray for the people in my life that don't yet know Christ. Why is it that I should have this incredible blessing and others don't? Why is it that I should have this incredible freedom as it comes in Christ? Why should I be alive while they are not? I need to pray for them that God would move into their life, that God would call them to faith, that God would give them new life because I can't do it. I can proclaim and I can be used by the hands of God. I can share my story and each one of us should, but it is the Lord who brings people to faith, not us. It is the Lord. And so who should I be praying to? The Lord. Who should I be asking to intervene? The Lord. Will you use that card? Will you write their names down? Will you allow your church to gather with you and pray for those names? And when we leave out of here, will you go put them on the wall that's down there by where we have bagels, right? Somehow bagels and prayer go together. And would you put them down there? Would you put them on there? And let's pray for the next 21 days and beyond. Would you pray? Let's do it as a family and pray for those who don't know Christ. And in the same manner, we'll be praying for you. You don't have to put your name on there, but the Lord knows who you are. And we'll be praying for you because you are a follower of Christ who is proclaiming that this person in your life needs to know who Christ is. Will you do that? Let me end with a story. And it's this. And pray for the salvation of individuals without ceasing and without growing weary. Make a list of those that you're going to be faithful to for years if it takes that long. Here's a story of George Mueller, uh, an amazing saint who was used by God in some tremendous ways, but was a man of unceasing prayer and knew that he had to pray for the family of God as well as those who were lost. Here's what he said. And now, in 1864, waiting upon God for certain blessings, for which I have daily besought him for 19 years and six months. For 19 years and six months, he had been writing the same name on a piece of paper. Without a day's intermission, still the full answer is not yet given concerning the conversion of these certain individuals. 
In the meantime, I have received many thousands of answers to prayer. For I have also prayed daily without intermission for the conversion of other individuals, some for 10 years or six or seven years, others four years, others three years, others two years, and for others about 18 months. Can you imagine knowing how long you've prayed for individuals that they would know Christ? What a faithful man this was. And still there is not yet guaranteed concerning these persons who have prayed for 19 years and six months. Yet I am continuing in prayer and inspecting and expecting the answer. Be encouraged, dear Christian reader, with fresh earnestness to give yourself to prayer. If you can only be sure that you ask for things which are for the glory of God. And those coming to know him would be for the glory of God. And so he prayed daily without ceasing, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And the power of the Holy Spirit, because for those to know Christ, but to glorify God. For 19 years and six months, he continued to pray for those that did not know Christ. May we be that passionate. May we be that strong in our faith. May we be that concerned of others that we would pray with that type of unceasing measure.